Well, that's pretty much what it is, man. People want to complicate you. People want to complicate what it is to live life. People want to complicate what it is to be successful and survive and be happy. And we are here to simplify that. Welcome to the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast. The only thing we're ever going to recommend you do is live your passion. There is nothing greater, nothing better, nothing more fulfilling than being happy and doing what you want to do. And the only reason you're not doing what you want to do is because you think you can't. So it's time to get out of that mindset. It's time to get into the mindset of I can do whatever the hell I please because that's the way the world works. Now, you might say, well, no, it doesn't because... You know, the world works like you go to school, you graduate from high school, you move on to college, you get a degree, you find some crappy job that you're miserable at, you buy a house you can't afford, you pay too much for car payments, and you live life working off all your debts and trying to figure out what really makes you happy because you are not. And I'm here to tell you that's not how it works at all. And I mean at all. Like, it doesn't work that way at all. Now, of course, you're going to say, listen, Hal, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I have to do. You don't know what my bills are like. You don't know what my parents expect. You don't know what my friends think I should be doing. Like, you don't understand the situation I'm in. And I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean it doesn't matter, Hal? Of course it matters. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And, and here's why. Unless these people who have these outside judgments and and thoughts about what you should be doing are paying your bills, unless they're giving you the money and telling you what you have to do with it, they are not in control. You are. So let's just play this out for a second. Let's say um, you're miserable at your job. You don't like your home. Um... You, you know, you want to do something different. You know, you've always wanted to, to be a photographer, but you're stuck working retail and, you know, you've worked your way up into middle management and, you know, you just, you've been there 10 years and you're afraid to leave. Well, see, that's you. That's you, you, you being afraid to leave. There was a point in your life where you had nothing to start with. You graduated high school, you didn't have, you know, you got your first job. You didn't have a house, you didn't have car payments, hopefully. You added all these things on, which means you can take them away. Nobody forced them upon you, which means nobody can force you to keep them. You can sell the house. You can sell the cars. You can find a way out of it. You just have to want it. We are here every week to bring you interviews with people who are doing just that, who have stepped outside the box, who are living their passion and they couldn't be happier. And I will tell you that money is not the key. Money is not the answer. Uh, people who make money aren't necessarily happier than people who don't make a lot of money. People who live their passion, people who enjoy what they do, people whose primary ROI is happiness, those are the people that are happy. Because they're not looking for material things that can be taken away. They're looking for the one thing that we all want, which is joy. So, 
Every week we bring you interviews with people who are doing just that. Sometimes it's not an interview, it's a conversation, it's an insight. Sometimes it's uh, a point being made. But we're here to do that every week and we are glad you joined us today. Before we get started with our interview, um, we need to bring you a message from one of our sponsors. So here it is. We are continuing to be sponsored by the wonderful, the amazing True Garden of Mesa, Arizona. True Garden is your premier seedling supplier for your tower garden needs. You know, if you're familiar with the tower garden systems, you know that you get some of the best produce uh, available. You know, you can grow your own. You can even buy from some of the mini and micro farms or some of the commercial farms out there that are using the towers. And it's really, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better head of lettuce or spinach or celery or anything else coming off those towers. It is truly amazing. And you know, True Garden out of Mesa, Arizona ships seedlings around the country. So if you're in New York City and you need some seedlings for your tower that you're growing in your uh, in your apartment and you got the nice tower lights on them and everything to grow indoors, well, True Garden can send you your seedlings. If you're in sunny Southern California and you've got a tower out on your patio and you're just letting it bask in the warmth of the winter sun, well, you can get your seedlings and start your, you know, instead of starting from a seed yourself and having to have that extra space, you just have your seedlings shipped to you, drop them in your tower Three to four weeks later, you're cropping heads off and, you know, you're you're enjoying a nice salad from your own tower. You're pulling thyme and oregano and spinach, basil, you name it. It's coming off that tower. You're growing it yourself, and it is absolutely amazing. Some of the most flavorful and nutrient-rich produce you can get, and they even supply it in 100% organic cocoa core. So you're getting an organic seed planted in an organic cocoa core growing medium. You put that together with your wonderful, wonderful nutrient solution and some water, and you have the best produce on earth. It is phenomenal. Try some cilantro out of a tower. You can't go wrong. You can use half the amount because it is so potent and strong and delicious. You We'll go crazy for it. So you can check True Garden out at www.truegarden.com. They are your premier, premium, amazing, wonderful seedling supplier. Check them out, truegarden.com. All right, folks, welcome to the show. Listen, you are about to hear an interview that I had with Mr. Brian Winch of Clean Lots. This is a dude who is on fire. Like this guy turned a $200 investment into a $650,000 plus per year business. And you know what he does? He cleans up trash in parking lots. And he's got a team of people doing it now. He's been doing it for over 35 years. It is an amazing business. And he's got some great insight into turning your side hustle into your only hustle. And uh, it's so cool because he's, I mean, he's literally living his dream. And it's weird to say that, but 
he really is. Dude's living his dream. Started in 1981, and uh, you know what? Here it is, Brian Winch. Brian, uh, welcome to the show. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? Well, thanks, Hal. It's great to be here. Um, I uh, started uh, a little simple side hustle back in 1981 when I was working a full-time job. Um, I was 21 years of age back then, and I didn't have uh, a heck of a lot going for me at the time. I barely graduated high school. I didn't have a lot of money in the bank. Uh, very few marketable skills, no real job experience other than uh, working as a shipper receiver at a large sporting goods company. And uh, I didn't mind the job, but I just couldn't see myself doing something like that for the rest of my life. Um, I had a lot of ambition, probably youthful exuberance, but you know, I, I always had a work ethic and I, I think I learned that from my parents. So I wanted to do something more than just um, clock in uh, at a certain time and then you know, put in my time and then, and then leave. I wanted to be recognized for the efforts, rewarded for the efforts that I did, but I wanted to find something that I enjoyed doing. And so I, I looked at a different um, uh, opportunities and there, there weren't many at the time because, you know, this was before uh, the internet and, uh, you know, online. So, uh, but, you know, like I said, I didn't have a lot of money. So I, I, I felt uh, I had to start something simple that I could operate from home. And uh, what, one of the easiest things to do at the time, and probably still is today, is uh, look at it, providing a service. Uh, people always want things done for themselves. Uh, you know, time is a valuable commodity, and there's certain things that people don't want to do themselves, and, that, and they're all too willing to, to pay somebody to do that for them. And uh, I uh, remembered that uh, my father, who had recently passed away within the you know, past year at that time, um, he was a janitor. Uh, and to make ends meet or to, to help things uh, stretch further financially with, with our family income, uh, he did a couple of uh, uh, things on the side, like shoveling snow in the wintertime. But he also cleaned up litter from a parking lot in the neighborhood. And he took us, uh, my brothers and I, along with him a couple of times just to help him out. And I, I remember how easy it was. We just simply walked around the parking lot and uh, swept up any litter material into a collection tool. And it was that easy. And, um, you know, I had that memory and I thought, well, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there. Maybe I could, I can do this for myself. And, and we're talking about passions and we're talking about doing some, some things that, you know, you, you want to enjoy doing. And, and I always liked working outdoors and I thought, you know, that, you know, this is something I would rather do than, than working inside of a building, you know, nine to five. So I, uh, that's how it all started. Uh, I, I um, started making some cold phone calls. I thought, you know, my uh, ideal prospect or client would be a property management company because, you know, I, I don't work for the individual businesses that make up a, a shopping center. Um, I, the, the property is, is owned and, and managed or, or the owners will oftentimes contract the management uh, out. And uh, so I contacted some different property management companies and I can't remember if this was the third or the fifth or the sixth phone call, but um, the fellow told me that he would be very interested in finding out what I could do for him and what I would charge and gave me the addresses for three properties. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I was flying by the seat of my pants. It was kind of learned from trial and error. And I put together some pricing and he accepted it. And um, that's how it all started you know, with those first three, three properties. Wow. So 
<clears throat> now you've been doing it for, well, let's see, what is this? Uh, 30, what is it now? 35 years, 36 years? Your math is better than mine. <laughs> 1981. So I've been doing oh. it since 1981. So that's, wow, that's, yeah, we're 37 years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> and it is no longer a side hustle. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> well, it didn't stay a side hustle very long because uh, I think it was about four, five, six months. Uh, I was uh, making more money uh, doing that type of work after hours than I was uh, from my full-time job. So uh, I, I gave them my notice and went and decided to go uh, full bore with, uh, with the, what became my full-time business. And uh, it's grown ever since. I mean, it's to the point now where we bill out, we, we service roughly about 150 properties, uh, my team and I, and uh, we bill out about $650,000 a year for litter cleanup. Wow. So tell me, <clears throat> tell me more about um, what the process looks like. Like if you, if you reach out to a company or a property and they, or they reach out to you, what is, what exactly are you um, what does your service entail from, from like kind of start to finish? What, what can it encompass? Well, it, it is a niche service, so we don't try to do everything for everyone. Um, all we do is focus on providing litter pick and doing it better than anyone else. So what that means, <clears throat> we're, we're, we're not providing a power sweeping service. So a lot of people right away think, oh, okay, well, you must operate street sweepers or the, the smaller uh, riding sweepers or, or even the vacuum trucks. Some people have seen you, this unit, you slide into a back of a pickup truck. Uh, but our service, um, we, we walk the entire property on foot. Uh, and we use a simple hand tool that I discovered a number of years ago, and I still find it's the best tool that uh, that's out there. Uh, it, it's cut back our cleaning time drastically, and it makes our service more profitable. But at the end of the day, it uh, makes our our service more affordable to our to our customers. But <clears throat> what we do is we walk the entire sidewalks, the parking lot, any surrounding landscape, uh, and and clean up litter and it, this is done usually on a daily basis the whole point of our service is to maintain properties litter free so back in the day well like i said before computers um uh, i would make cold calls or I, I never really looked at it as cold calls because i i wasn't trying to sell anybody anything uh from that initial phone call i was just trying to gather information uh, gauge their interest find out if they'd like to receive more material and then i would just I would start the sales funnel, if you will, and uh, I would send them material and follow up if I and, uh, you know, chances are they maybe had contact me before I would follow up, uh, you know, because of their, their interest and uh, and just go from there and, and uh, you know, give them some prices and uh, and, you know start the work and and the, the most the key thing here is customer service because anybody can clean, but not everybody uh, enjoys doing it. And, uh, uh, and and will provide the same results. So uh, with the customer service, I mean, if we're there cleaning up the, the parking lot and we happen to notice property damaged, um, you know, burnt out lights or the, the, the building has been tagged with graffiti, uh, we contact our customer the next day and, and inform them of this. And uh, it does two great things. It, it helps cement the business relationship. It tells them that we were there, obviously, because, you know, we, we've noticed this sort of stuff. And, um, you know, they really appreciate uh, the, the additional bonus of having us as an extra set of eyes. So 
has, I mean, you've been doing this now for 37 years. Obviously, the marketing has changed as far as how you get a hold of new clients. But what, um, what are the, like, what kind of changes have you seen over the 37 years? And that's a long time to be in business and operating in general. Well, I mean, I, I remember when cell phones first came out. Um, they were the first of these massive walkie-talkies. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they've obviously gotten much smaller. But, you know, a lot of communication uh, started happening uh, with, with cell phones. Uh, uh, and then, you know, with computers and the Internet, and everyone started having a, um, a website. And, uh, and now, you know, um, prospects, if they're, if they're looking for my service, I'm much easier to be found because all they have to do is a Google search and use a number of different terms, search terms that would identify the service I provide. And uh, I'll show up, um, you know, in the results. Um, um, there's all sorts of uh, social media that a person can take advantage of. Uh, for example, you know, I often tell people that um, uh, if they buy my book, Clean Lots, uh, where I teach people how to start and operate this business, the first thing before they do, before they even start a website or develop a website, is to, to claim your free Google My Business listing. It doesn't cost anything, and it establishes a profile. and And people, if they're if they're you know looking for you, at least uh, you know that gets the ball rolling. They can find you quite, pretty pretty easily. And that's I think that's so funny that you mentioned that because that's one of the things in 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 my industry, which is print and digital marketing. Right, I'm a we do graphic design and print. I'm a print broker. The one thing that I always find whenever I get a new client, the first thing I do is go research them because I want to understand their business a bit better. And the one thing I, I find quite often is they spend a lot of money building a website. They spend a lot of money advertising and they haven't touched the free stuff like the Google, my business, the, the Facebook page, you know, any of and if they're in, if they're in an industry like food service, right? Instagram as a restaurant, Instagram is a, is a wonderful tool. You know, TripAdvisor, it's free. Yelp is free. All those things are free for the baseline on them. And, and yeah, so many people don't even, don't even touch them, but they spend lots of money building a website, but they have no traffic heading to it because they're not using any of the free stuff out there. That's right. And, you know, even with that website, it's important that you're listed on those directories too, because that helps establish, you know, or send traffic back to your, to your website. But, you know, a lot of it has to do, I think, with it involves a little bit of work. And, you know, I think some people don't like doing the work. You know, they, they want to go for the, the prestigious things. Oh, I got to develop the, the website and, 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 and this is how I'm going to do all my business. But uh, uh, referrals, too, has been another great thing for me. I, I find, you know, the longer I've, I've been in this business or the longer anyone is in this business, for that matter, uh, the easier it becomes because you, like you've, you've got those business relationships. And if they're happy with your work, you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of referrals. Not just from within that uh, company that you know, where your customer is, but but you know these people network. They belong to associations like BOMA, which is Building Owners Managers Association, and uh, you know they get together and they talk about problems. And you know, uh, like who do you use? I have a problem with the, the litter at my property. Who who are you using? And and all of a sudden, you know, the, the word spreads, and and uh, you start getting phone calls or or uh, emails, you know, from somebody who. Uh, uh, has discovered your service and they, and they want estimates. Being what you've been doing now for 37 years. And, and I mean, the entrepreneurial spirit, everybody wants to have it. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. You know, I think at some level, everybody's like, Oh man, if I could just be self-employed, it'd be so much easier, but they don't understand the work that goes into it. And, and that work 
man, that's a four letter word for a lot of people, right? It's, it's like, no, no, no. I want to be Ty Lopez and just drive around in million dollar cars and advertise my sales funnel on Facebook and no offense to Ty Lopez, but it, it's one of those things where everybody sees this like grandiose plan for how life can be. They see it. They see it. You know who it is? You, ever, you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Yep. Gary V. Okay. People look at Gary V and go, man, this guy's got it. He, he has all the, he put in some work. That guy spent his youth building his parents' business. And of course, I mean, his dad's business was already good as it was, but he really put in a lot of work to get to where he is. And people just see the, the end result, but nobody was following Gary V, you know, 15 years ago, 18 years ago, watching all the hard work he put in. It's the same with uh, Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Nobody was watching 20 years ago when Jeff Bezos was putting in long days and long nights building Amazon and all the work that went into it. They just see the, uh, well, there's this website up and running and people buy from it. And man, Bezos is now like the richest man in the world. And it's like, well, yeah, but there was a lot of work that went there. And it's the same thing with what you did. People can look at it 38 years down the road and, you know, go, wow, man, what a, what an easy thing he's doing. And he's really making good money and he's got a good business and he's got a book, but 37 years of hard work has led to that. Well, you have to have a passion for what you do. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, you know, a lot of people, like you mentioned, they look at the wealth and, and then, you know, wealth is a byproduct of what you do. It's not the be all end all. So a lot of people make the mistake of getting involved in an opportunity or a business where they're looking at, oh, I can make uh, um, you know, six figures uh, in sales a year. But they, they fail because it's not something they enjoy doing. You know, they don't like the product, uh, you know, they don't believe in the product or, or whatever they're involved in. And and then after a while, they just kind of fade away or they, they stop doing it because they've lost interest. You have to find something that uh, you enjoy doing. And, and it could come from your own background, your own experience. You just need to find a way to market uh, that product or service. And, you know, believe me, if you're doing it for yourself, uh, all those hours that you put in, um, you know, it's an investment, but you don't mind doing it because it's not work. You don't see it as work. Right. Right. Well, I think that's, that's kind of a key thing. Like we, you know, we travel full time, <clears throat> we travel full time and for us to travel full time, it's, it, it looks like it can be a very wonderful lifestyle. Like, Oh man, these people are living it, but it, it takes work. I mean, I have to run my business and I wish, even though my business is completely hundred percent digital and online now, I wish that it was as easy as people made it out to be or made, you know, think that it is because then I would be, <laughs> be living a lot more relaxed life sometimes, but there is a lot of work that goes into it. Yeah. And unfortunately a lot of people get conned into these get rich quick schemes. So, they're they're always around these these uh, these people always take advantage of people wanting uh, to make a lot of money without having to put in any work. Yeah, you're trying to buy a lifestyle. Yeah, yep. yeah, and that's that's a sad and that's a sad thing. So going back to you know entrepreneurs, a lot of people want the what they see as the reward of an entrepreneurial lifestyle, but they don't understand the depth and the work that goes into it. And you've been building your business for 37 years. You know, I've been doing mine for uh, about 10 years now. Um, and oh, hang on a second. <clears throat> I've been doing mine for uh, about 10 years now. And on top of that, I was also working other jobs because I, I used it as a side hustle. And I never really planned on taking it um, uh, 
as my main income. And it just kind of grew to that. And then I went, well, we do want to do something different. And we made a jump to do that. Now, we're still in the growth process. I mean, there's still a lot of growth for us. And, and there's a lot of balancing and trying to figure out how much, how much minimalizing do I want to do in my lifestyle versus how much business growth do I want. And then, of course, we have the podcast and our YouTube channel and all these other things. So there's that balance. But with you and, and, and Clean Lots, wh- where is your focus now? Like, I mean, are you, you're 37 years in. Are you out cleaning the lots now? Or do you have, how many teams do you have? Or what's, what, are you, what are you up to? Well, I, I still enjoy the work. So I still put in uh, a number of hours. I guess you could consider uh, the cleaning hours are part-time now. I, I still operate the business during the day or run the, uh, the office. And, uh, but I've cut back in the number of hours in which I devote to cleaning. We, we've got roughly 10, 11 people that work for us, um, uh, whether it be part-time or full-time. Um, and uh, so, you know, that's what keeps us going. Um, and what I've done, uh, I, I'm kind of trying to um, um, share my experience with others, share my story. And I've written a book called Clean Lots. And uh, I started writing it probably about 20 years ago because I, I thought, wow, this is a, a great business that someone with, without a lot of money, without a lot of experience, um, you know, they could easily provide this service, base the business from their home. This is a great opportunity. And, and I, I would like to, you know, make this available to other people that want to do this. And, and I also offer free support. Anyone who buys my book, um, I'm perfectly willing to, to help them out, help them get started because they, they, they can't compete with me. I can't compete with them in, in their city. And, and, you know, it's no, it's a win-win situation for everyone involved. Sure. Uh, you know, the book has been in various editions. I'm always updating it. And, uh, you know, right now I've got that available at cleanlots.com and, uh, and I'm, you know, trying to, to make a few more sales. It, it's definitely not my major source of income. Uh, because, you know, we were talking earlier, I mean, a lot of people don't want to work. <laughs> you know, if, you, if there's work involved, they, you know, they're not interested. But but for someone who is looking for a legitimate opportunity, and uh, it, it really is almost as simple as going for a walk, and you and you can get paid for it, um, then, you know, someone might want to take a look at my opportunity at cleanlots.com. And as, as I said, I, I'm, I'm offering free support as well. That's uh, well, I, I like that. I like that you've got the book out there that tells people, you know, what they can do and, and how they can do it. So it's it's on them still to make it happen, but you're giving them the resource and then you're giving them the support. And I think that's cool because I think as entrepreneurs and business owners, um, one of the best things we can do is help other people build businesses because I think as we all know, competition, you know, breeds better customer service. It it breeds better results. It gives our our clients. Um, better products because when we have to compete to stay alive, um, whether it's on a national scale or, or a local scale, I think it's, it's, you know, it's good. You know, you look at the, the Googles of the world and the Amazons of the world or the Walmarts and they can just do kind of as they please. And they're not too terribly worried about the customers that get upset because they've got enough people coming in and they kind of dominate their markets. But we small businesses, we have to, we have to care about our customers at every turn you know, one one star review on Yelp, you know, makes my stomach cringe. It, it it bugs me if I see something negative, even on any of the clients that I do work for. We we manage a lot of social media pages, um, and when I see one bad review come through for a restaurant, the first thing I do is call the owners and go, "Hey, what's going on? What can we do? You know, do you need help? Do you need 
you know, it's just one of those things that you want to care about those things. And um, it's neat to have that support, you know, for other small business owners and people who want to get started, especially with today's youth. Cause there's, I don't know what the, what's the job market like you're in, you're in, uh, you're in Calgary, right? Right. So what's the job market uh, like there? Well, it's, it's pretty tough. Um, in the last couple of years, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a complicated story. I mean, we're, uh, we're an oil and gas city and, um, the price of our, our Canadian oil is, uh, is, uh, is at a steep discount as to what West Texas intermediate goes for. Uh, one of the main reasons where there's a, a bottleneck with the uh, pipelines in this country, uh, and uh, a lot of our oil isn't getting to tidewater, and so the markets uh, reflect that in terms of the price. So as a result, it all spreads down into the, the economy, uh, how much money the government is collecting in taxes, etc. People, you know, oil companies have gotten very lean, so people have been laid off, and, and those jobs are, are going to take a while to come back. Um, yeah. yeah. We're seeing the we see the polar opposite of that right now, especially around Texas and that, I think. So in that sense, the market is, is a bit down, but um, is that, how is that affecting obviously the oil market or the oil jobs out there are down? Is that bringing in an influx of, of good labor for businesses or is it, what's it? Well, a lot of people, well, you know, it's, it's made a difference to our business because, you know, initially, uh, it, it didn't affect us too much, but um, you know, after a couple of years, people have less discretionary income, uh, so they're careful with uh, how they spend their money. That that has uh, uh, meant uh, fewer people going to restaurants and bars. Uh, some of those businesses have gone out of business, so you know those shopping centers will have vacancies. Uh, and then you know, property management companies are always looking for a way to. To, to, uh, to save money, um, you know, our service is necessary because uh, if they want properties to maintain their, their property value or to even, or, or to appreciate, you can't have rundown properties. So, so in a sense, we're recession proof, but uh, you, you can definitely feel the, the, you know, the, the people are looking to save a buck. And that's why it's so important to go beyond what you say you will do and provide that customer service. And so, uh, you know, we're hanging on there. I, you know, I think a lot of our customers, they, they know they get more than what they're paying for because they, like I mentioned, they do appreciate the fact we're an extra set of eyes and, and, and it saves them perhaps having to send out a building operator to do a lot of the inspections on a daily basis because they know we're going to get a lot of that feedback where they're going to get their feedback from us. So we are, you know, you made a really good point there. So you, you, you have to, give more you have to give back you just can't take you know uh, you have a contract and and have the attitude that i'm going to just do what i say i'm going to do and clean the property and and uh, and then that's it uh, and it and it goes both ways too i mean it, with with my book uh, that's why i provide the free support um it is a simple business to learn uh, but i do recognize people are going to have some questions and uh, you know maybe they need a some help or they want to bounce some off, uh, some ideas off me. And, uh, you know, I'm welcome. I, I get a kick out of helping other people do that. But, you know, quite frankly, after a while, they don't need me anymore. And, uh, and away they go. And it's always nice to hear from some people five, you know, five, six, seven years later. And they said, well, I got your book and you helped me out. And uh, this is what I'm doing now. And I put, you know, my three kids through college, etc. And, you know, so, some of those people have used as testimonials. But, 
Um, but you know, you just you have to go a little bit further and uh, and uh, and help people out. You, you, that's the way you have to to look at whatever business you're in. You know, it just can't be to make a profit or make a buck. Uh, you know, there you, the people. There's people involved there, and and if you give them what they want uh, and give and, and exceed those expectations, I think you'll do well. Well, I think I, I think that's the that's the key, right? I mean, in any business is is going a little bit above and beyond. You know, one of the one of the things that drives me nuts, my own children do this, and, I, and I'm trying to teach them different is I say, well, you know, what did you get done today? Well, I, I did this, and I did this. I'm like, oh, that's what I told you to do. Did you get anything else done? Well, no, you didn't say to do anything else. That's like, well, but you but you know there's other things you could have done, right? Well, yeah. Like, okay. So in life, you have to look at what you need to get done and then what you can get done and then figure out a good balance in, in you know, you know, what, what am I going to do? I know I was told to do this, but there are these other things I could do. You know, I told you to get the dishes done, but you saw the counter was dirty. You could have wiped it down. Wouldn't have killed you. It wouldn't have been really any extra time, two minutes just to grab a paper towel and a spray bottle and hit it and go, you know, and it's, but it's that thing. And I think, do you feel, um, how, how many people do you employ uh, roughly nowadays? Uh, well, probably 10 or 11. Um, like I said, some, some are part-time where they just do the weekend service for us. Uh, we've got some people that work for us um, uh, full-time um, and some part-time throughout the week. Uh, and so when I say uh, part-time throughout the week, uh, there's some people that are looking to uh, a side hustle for themselves. So not a business they own, but a way to make some extra money. Yeah. Uh, just to supplement their full-time income. They're, maybe they're happy with their full-time job and they like the benefits, but it's not quite enough income coming in. So, you know, so, uh, you know, we hook up with people like that and we get the results and, and they do some of the work for us. And uh, like I say, it's a win-win situation for, for us all. Do you find it tough to, to get people who are as maybe detail oriented or get, get good staff that, look for the little extra that they can do? Um, well, I, I guess, you know, that can be a problem, but I, we found that when we interview uh, these people, um, that will come out in the interview. We'll, we'll ask them some questions, you know, what would you do? Uh, how would you feel if you saw this or came across something like that? And then once you explain it to them, and they definitely, if they work for us, they, you know, we've had people work for us 10, 20 years, the same people. And they understand that, okay, this is pretty simple. I just go out, I walk the property, clean up litter. But you know what? I, I have to also pay attention to some of these other things. And uh, we've noticed, you know, some graffiti. They, they notify us. And then so I can uh, inform our, our customers the, the very next day. And so they, they, they've been trained, I guess, well. But they also understand what this work entails and, you know, what's involved. You ever test them by like leaving a piece of trash in the parking lot of your, of your own office? And well, I, I, you know what? I haven't, but you know what? It's, it's amazing how many people do. And, you know, if someone thinks that, you know, this would be a great opportunity to take advantage of the situation and just say that you went out and did the work and, and no one's going to know better that that's, that couldn't be further from the truth because as you've just pointed out, uh, the building operators, so the property managers, when they're doing their building inspections, they, I, I still find it today. You, you can get a, uh, a, a wrapper, like a potato chip bag with a stone on it. You know, you know that stone didn't blow or roll on top of that, that bag. It's, it's strategically placed in a location that uh, they know you have to come around the corner in order to see it. And, uh, and besides that, I mean, 
if the work weren't wasn't being done, um, the the tenants they know that they, if they see the same coffee cup laying on the sidewalk for two or three days, at some point they're going to phone and say, "Look at us, we're paying for a litter pick here." You know, this guy isn't showing up to do it. Um, and the more and more now, a lot of properties have uh, uh, surveillance cameras, and some property managers they they said, well, "You know what? Goner, I don't need those old days where I physically have to drive to the property. I can sit in my office and just uh, go through the video and see the after hours activity. Who's coming and who's going? What's happening at my property after after hours?" Yeah. Well, that's, I think, part of the amazing thing about technology is that ability. I mean, we, I know um, there's, a, there's a couple that RVs full-time that he owns a, um, a car detail car wash up in Vegas. And he, was, he and his uh, wife, wife, maybe his fiance, I don't know, they travel full-time. And that's one of the things is like you can be anywhere and still see all your numbers. You can still see your videos. You can still see everything that's going on as if you're right there. It doesn't matter if you're just up down the block at home or you're 2000 miles away across the country. It's, you know, you can see it. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. They have a chance to, to really look over and see what's happening and see how thorough you're being. That's um, yeah. So up in, uh, up in Canada, cause I know like, uh, I mean, I haven't been to Canada yet. We have some fans uh, up in Canada who have invited us to, Oh, you got to come up. And we were in Niagara Falls, probably only 20 minutes from one of our, one of our YouTube subscribers and we don't have our passports yet. We need to get them, but we haven't even gotten our passport cards or anything, but we want to come up to Canada, but I know just looking, you know, looking at the maps, um, Canada is not like the U S in the sense that, you know, the U S is a lot of sprawled communities that just go and go and go and run into each other. Canada is really like pockets of communities. I mean, Calgary is kind of isolated. You know, when you look at a map, you see Calgary and then you see a lot of green, Right. I'm in Phoenix. So we can have a little bit of that, but we're, you know, we're only, if you leave Phoenix, you're only an hour and a half to Tucson. You're only, you know, an hour and a half to Flagstaff. You're, you know, three hours to California. If that, you know, like, obviously you guys have a a much greater distance to cover, but when you're, when you're kind of in that more shelled off, if you will, or isolated community, um, how critical is that? Do you think like how much of a role do you think that plays in the growth of your business? Do you find that, you know, having that smaller community um, benefits you more because people get to know you better or does it make it a little tougher to compete? Well, I, I guess it, uh, I understand your point. Um, and, uh, and there are some examples in Canada, uh, the lower mainland, the West coast, the Vancouver area, uh, you know, it, it's, it's very similar to a lot of American cities where you'd never know you cross the street and you're in a different city. Uh, and, and Southern Ontario is, is very densely populated. Uh, I, I don't know if, uh, if it's 8 million, how many people live there, but, uh, we were there recently in the, in the summertime and, and, and unfortunately stuck, uh, in a traffic jam on the, the 401 highway. And, and, uh, uh, but it's one city after another. You drive for miles and miles and miles and miles, and you you think you're in the same city, but no, you you pass through I don't know how many cities. Um, but you're right. A lot of other cities out west, uh, where it's more sparsely populated, um, you you do have that one city, and then you know then you're looking at how many miles to the next city or, or village or town or whatever. Calgary, though, on the other hand, uh, we're 1.3 million uh, in population. 
Uh, and then we do have some satellite country, or not countries, but cities around us where, you know, maybe it's 20 minute drive there, you know, a 15 minute drive there. Uh, so we tend to service those markets as well. But, you know, in a city of, uh, you know, 1.3 million, there's, there's lots of business there for us. Yeah, I think, um, so perspective wise, I think Phoenix is 1.7 million for the city of Phoenix, which that's just, you, know, you have the city of Phoenix and then you have like, Tempe, Mesa, Chandler, like all these metro areas, just the city of Phoenix, I think is 1.7. So perspective wise, and, and that's the fifth, sixth largest city in the U S I think. Um, so yeah. Okay. All right. So, I mean, there's, but you do, you have, you know, you have um, just looking at a map here, just kind of looking at what you've got as far as communities around you and Calgary. I mean, obviously you can see Calgary on the map. Like it's just, you could just see kind of the big square layouts of the the city, but yeah, I see Chestermere and Strathmore and. Well, Calgary for an area for a city, I I believe it's one of the largest city uh, in area in North America. Really, uh, because it's just one city as opposed to like San Francisco or some other American right. city. And the 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 city known, or even Los Angeles, for example, Los Angeles is not that big, mm-hmm. but when you factor in all of the other cities around it, and the you know the counties, it's 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 incredibly sprawled out. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So Calgary, I'm I'm looking it up because yeah, if you look up like Los Angeles, it shows up in one spot, but when you get closer in, it does. It breaks down into, I mean, all the way out to you know Pasadena and Rialto and Riverside and Glendale and. Um, so, and those are all cities. Yeah, those are all cities within. And then there's the the Los Angeles County area, which even still you have, you know, Los Angeles County is only one area of that Southern California metro, because then you've got uh, Orange County and all the others that all run into each other. So yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't realize that about Calgary, huh? So, and there are other cities, like I say, in Western Canada like that. I mean, whether it be Edmonton or Red Deer or Regina or Winnipeg, uh, that's just the way I guess this country is, is, is de- has been developed. You've got the one city and, and it stays that way as opposed to a number of other cities uh, being established around it. Or, or, or it, I know in Calgary's case, over the years, we've kind of uh, absorbed some of those other towns that were close to us and they've all become part of Calgary. Okay. Interesting. Now, what is business like in the winter? Because I mean, you're you're close to Banff and Jasper. I mean, you know, you're the, one of the closer you know big cities to that. So I'm imagining that it gets very cold up in that area in the winter. Uh, it can get quite cold, but you'd be surprised uh, how little snow we get. I mean, we we do get snow, and at some point it will stick around or last uh, for most of the winter months. But um, you know, we're close to the Rocky Mountains, and um, we get a lot of um, um, Chinooks and a Chinook is where uh, it snows in the mountain. And then, uh, when the system comes down on, on the Eastern side of the, the Rockies or the slopes, the, the air warms. And when it hits Calgary, it can take our temperature up drastically, you know, uh, you know, the, the temperature swings where, you know, the snow will melt. Well, one day it could be, I, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, 30 degrees, you know, Fahrenheit, the next day, it's, uh, it's like 55. Wow. And it can stick around. And then, and then, you know, just as quickly, it can get cold again. But, you know, we don't get, have a lot of snow. And, and actually, it doesn't really affect our business because, and it doesn't matter whether it's Calgary or, or, or Boston or, or Miami, Florida, uh, businesses are open uh, every day, year round, people litter, 
uh, every day. <laughs> litter is not a seasonal business. And, and you might get some snow, and you know, whether it's Chicago or Buffalo, and the snow may mask the litter briefly, but at some point, uh, you know, that material is going to become visible. Uh, as a matter of fact, we clean up more coffee cups. Uh, and and for those people that have to, well, you know, the windshield washer fluid, the jugs, you know, you pour in the reservoir so you, you know, can clean your windows. We, we clean up more of that stuff in, during the winter months than any other time of year. That's amazing so, that you're even having to clean that up. Like, Well, you know, it's amazing. You know, I, I, I found in all those years I've been doing litter pick, uh, people's attitudes towards littering hasn't, hasn't changed much, if at all. Uh, I, I still see, and I, I just don't understand why people will open their vehicle doors, whether it's a truck or car, and out onto the parking lot goes the, the coffee cups, the, the, the burger wrappers, uh, you know, uh, and they have this attitude that somebody else is going to clean it up, and, you know, I, I just don't want it in my car. Oh, I um, I've, I've seen people walk out of a convenience store, uh, and they've, they've, uh, bought a chocolate bar or maybe a pack of cigarettes and they step out of the store. They're standing right in front of the store on the sidewalk and they're flanked on either side by two litter containers. Mm-hmm. They may as well be invisible because they open the wrapper and down it goes onto the ground. Isn't that amazing? One of the worst things, uh, are cigarette butts. And, uh, you know, when we're cleaning up litter, that also means cleaning up cigarette butts outside restaurants or, or bars. And there could be literally hundreds on a daily basis in front of, you know, on the parking lot, you know, maybe those three or four parking stalls in front of the, the front doors to a bar and grill. And you, you could have ashtrays there and some people will use them, but it's, the, again, the attitude that, you know what, I can just throw my material anywhere I want and, and someone else is going to clean it up. And when I was younger, it used to bother me. Yeah. Now I understand they're putting money in my pocket. That's right. It's sad. It's one of those things where you're like, you wish that your business didn't have to exist because you know that your business exists because some, because a lot of people just don't care about their litter and their trash. But then you're like, well, since they don't, I'm glad that I've stepped up because people are going to be people. They're still going to leave a mess. And you know what? If somebody's got to clean it up, I might as well make the money from it. Well, and that just goes back to what I said earlier. You, uh, you know, if you're looking for an opportunity or a business of some sort, you know, you need to consider what am I willing to do? Can I do this type of work? You know, and, um, you know, if you don't mind cleaning up after someone, uh, you know, take a look at it. You can make good money, uh, whether it's, you know, cleaning houses or or, or cleaning up uh, pet waste. Uh, you know, some pe- some fortunes have been made by people willing to clean up dog poop, uh, and, you know, and, and, and other people, they say, who on earth would want to do that? Well, you know, you have to know where the opportunity is and then, and then uh, take advantage of it. Absolutely. And that's, that's a driver. And for people that are looking to live their passion or live their dream, the first step to doing it is, is making it happen, is picking out, you know, we knew what we wanted to do for us. We knew we wanted to travel with our kids. We knew we wanted to expose them to the country we live in and see places and, and you know, go places and meet people. And it was like, all right, so what are we going to do to make that happen? And so we took what was our our side income and made it our full-time income and we worked at it. Why? Because we wanted what we wanted. And I tell my kids all the time, like, don't, um, especially my daughter's 16 now. And I always tell her, you know, she, she really loves horses and she wanted for a long time, she wanted to work in the horse industry. And, um, but I always told her, I was like, no, that's not 
you you want to be around horses. You want to play with horses. You want to you want to clean up after horses. That's fine. I, I get that. You know, that's all part of that lifestyle around horses. But it it took me, I think, a while to get her to understand that there's a difference between um, doing a job that allows you to live your passion and doing a job because you think it'll you think it'll be your passion. And not everybody can differentiate the two. She wanted to do a job because she thought it was her passion. But what she really wants is she won't make enough money really, you know, living living that life, like being in the horse industry, unless you really have a good in, you're not typically going to be in a position where you can really afford the things that she wanted in the horse industry. So it's like, okay, then you need to find a, a job that you enjoy that'll provide the income to do what you want with horses. Now on the flip side, if your passion is that you want to own a ranch and, you know, allow people to come ride horses or train horses, that's a totally different perspective. Two very similar things in a child's mind, but two very different things in the practical real world. And what you're doing impresses me because you looked at it as, well, I want to do, I want to do something. At the time it was a side hustle. Uh, I want to earn some income and I want to provide a service. Service industry is the easiest one to get started in because you're not spending thousands of dollars on a tangible product. You're, you know, um, and then you ran with it and it became something for you that you've not only built for yourself and your family, but you've now have employees and have had employees that over the years have lived their lives. So that's to me, that's, that's the heart of being an entrepreneur is providing not only growth and op, not, not only growth and income for yourself, but opportunity for others. And I think that's why when I was looking at your stuff, I love That's why I love the book idea and, and supporting people. That's cool. Well, you know, you have to look to what you're willing to do. Um, um, you know, I, I certainly don't mind cleaning up litter. Um, it, it's provided me with a great lifestyle, but what I really enjoy about doing it is the fact that I'm working outdoors it's, it's something easy to do. Um, you know, like it, it's, I'm not pushing a broom, bending over, picking up stuff. As mentioned, I, I discovered this great tool that makes it an easy job and it makes it very profitable and very efficient to do. Uh, but, it, it, you know, at, at one point in my life, um, after doing uh, the business for about four years, uh, I, I kind of got, I don't know, not depressed, but I fell in that trap where I thought, you know, what I'm doing isn't prestigious. It's not one of those glamour businesses. And uh, you know what? Maybe maybe there's a better opportunity out there. So I, I sold my first business and uh, I went back to school and I looked at uh, different opportunities over a period of about three years. And it, it took me that long to come back to the realization that, you know what? I miss cleaning up litter. I, I miss the business. And I got back into it um, after my um, non-compete clause uh, ran out, and uh, I've never looked back. Uh, and you know, I, I I had to find out for myself um, that uh, you know it was something that I I, I missed doing, and, and I really enjoy doing. So you sold the first business, you had a non-compete, you got back into the business after that was over, um, and you and you run with it. So obviously, I mean, it's something that you. Uh, you enjoyed enough, you know, and missed enough the first time yeah. that you, you got back into it. And how long have you been back into it now? Uh, uh, probably full-time since uh, night. Well, 
yeah, probably uh, since nineteen since 1989. I mean, I was out of it for a while. Then I got back into it a, a part-time, uh, and then basically full-time again since 1989. Uh, but, you know, what I really like about the, uh, what I do is, um, I, in a sense, I, I have my own hours. I mean, this is an after-hour service. So the, the, the work needs to be done when there are no vehicles uh, parked in the parking lot. There's no tenant, there's no businesses open. So I've got a clean slate. I can see everything. The, these properties are lit. They have parking lot lights. They, they've got plenty of lighting, but um, I need to get in there where I can see wherever litter may be. And uh, it, it, I can get in there quick and, and get out of there quick. I don't have to contend with uh, a lot of traffic during the day, you know, rush hour traffic, morning traffic. But, you know, I, I do my work. And then I'm done, and I have the rest of the day to do uh, as I please. Uh, um, you know, like I, I mentioned, I, I, I still put some time in during the day. You know, op- I'm the operations manager. Um, I'm, you know, promoting my, my book sales, et cetera. But I really do have the time, you know, to pick and choose. Okay, do I want to do this? You know, i got time to do it. I, I can take it, some time off work, you know, as long as the work gets done later, et cetera. Uh, but it, I, I enjoy the hours that I work. Hmm. And do you do you get away much for? I mean, you got a team of people, but do you get away much for vacations, or how does that work? Not as much as my wife would like, <laughs> <laughs> but but I I do I I like to take get away at least once a year. Um, you know yourself. Um, you mentioned earlier, I believe that it, it's tough. It's nice to get away. You need to recharge your batteries, but if you're a business owner. There's a, a lot of work you have to do before you go on holidays. And then when you come back, there's a lot of work waiting for you. And sometimes you think, you know, as much as this was great to recharge my batteries, you know, all the work I'm doing catch up, did I really get time off? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, it's great to get out and, and you, you, you have the, the money to, 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 um, to get some experiences. Uh, and that's the way I look at travel. Uh, it's great to visit other countries, other cities, and you learn how other people live. And, uh, you, you know, we've gone to Mexico quite often and we, we enjoy the Mayan Riviera where, uh, you get to tour the, the ancient ruins, uh, the Mayan, t- um, uh, pyramids, etc. Uh, and jungle tours. Uh, another great thing uh, we enjoy when we go to Mexico too, especially the coastal cities, is going deep sea fishing. Um, I'm not a fisherman, uh, but it, there's something to be said for for paying someone to go on their boat. Uh, you know, uh, on the water, beautiful weather. They do all the work for you. They bait your hooks. They cast the lines. You sit back, and then when they got something on the line, they give you the rod. You reel it in. You get the picture taken. Yes, you get all the cats. <laughs> And, and, and you get all the credit, but it's a great experience, you know, and uh, that, I guess that's what I really enjoy about uh, taking those holidays. That's neat. My, uh, my son really wants to do some fishing this year. We did some back in, uh, well, he was a lot younger. He was only a couple of years old, but we, he didn't really get, he got to be there, but he wasn't really fishing. I think he was maybe, maybe he was four years old. He remembers it though. I'll tell you, he's 11 now. He sure remembers it. We went salmon fishing off the Klamath river in California. Um, but I think it was the same thing. Like I think even today he'd, he'd probably be the one that enjoys the baiting hook, but like my wife and my daughter, I think they'd be like, all right, get everything started, get it in. And then we'll, we'll go from there. You know, it's, <laughs> that sounds like fun. I, I, you know, it is important to get away. It is hard as an entrepreneur to do that um, as a business owner that's, I think, one of the things I like about my lifestyle. And 
when my wife and I decided to make the jump we made to full-time RVing, a lot of people act like it's a full-time vacation and it's not, but it gives me the opportunity to be in a new place whenever I want. And so I never feel like I have to go on vacation, but I can take a day or two off and I get that vacation experience because we're somewhere new. We did two months in Florida this last year and we just roamed around Florida for two months. We would do a week here, a week there, two weeks here. And, you know, I could still work and and put in a, a full five days, but then it was like, well, let's go to the ocean. Let's go to Fort Myers beach. And we'd go spend a day at Fort Myers. And I felt like I was on vacation. I had that vacation recharge, which was yep. so nice. And I, exactly. I, I just hadn't, I hadn't, when we lived in Arizona and we, we were working for the children's home we were at, we would take a weekend and go to California, but it never felt like a vacation because of exactly what you said. I, you know, I came back to my, to my main job, which had work piled up because I needed to get things done because of an event coming up or, but then I had my side hustle, my print business. So there's always an emails and piles of stuff, graphic design waiting from customers that needed to be done. And you kind of go, well, gee, I, I guess, you know, I guess I can focus on this now, but I'm going to have to put in some extra time. Now I just balance this part of my work day and, you know, my on time and off time. And I'm, I'm, Hey, I'm in Buffalo, New York today, or I'm up in Syracuse. We're going to head over towards, you know, towards the area where I, we went to, um, we were traveling from the Poconos over to Illinois and we were making our way. We had to go up. My wife had a torn retina, which was a real pain in the butt. We had to go up and around the mountains of Pennsylvania because we couldn't go over them after our surgery. Oh yeah. So we had to keep the low route because of the gas bubble in her eye. And it was interesting. So we wound up going up to upstate New York and across. Um, and we wound up being really close to Niagara Falls. So I said, you know what? Let's just, we had to stop for an overnight on the way to Jefferson, Ohio anyways. I was like, why don't we just stop here and tomorrow morning before we continue on to Jefferson, Ohio, we'll go to Niagara Falls. I wasn't on vacation. It was still a travel day. It was what we called a weekend because it was a travel day and we get to our destination and I have to do work. But we took a half a day and we walked Niagara and it was like, where else, you know, and that's part of that. If I was working a nine to five, even if I was a, a, a digital nomad working, working a nine to five, um, I wouldn't be able to do that, you know? Right. So, you know, that's, that's one of the beauties. And I think for anybody who's looking to live their passion, I think you show a good example of that is take on something that you, that you can do, that you can enjoy doing. And that meets like the criteria that you've set in your mind for what you want your life to be like and run with it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's right. And like, with my situation, I didn't have a lot of money. I, I didn't have that business experience. Uh, um, so, um, you know, it, it was something I could easily do. Yeah. And, you know, and over the course of years, I found out, Hey, I enjoy doing it. Uh, it's simple work. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I also have learned to appreciate the value of the service that I provide. And that's, that's clean litter free properties. And, you know, it's a, it's a green service that, I, that I'm doing. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are interested in the environment uh, these days. And, you know, what, what can I do? Uh, you know, uh, you know um, how can I help, uh, um, you know, with different uh, types of um, uh, endeavors? And uh, it, it's definitely something that, you know, I, 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 I enjoy doing. That's awesome. That's very cool. So what's your next step? What's your plan for 2019? You're heading out of the year here. What's, what's the goal for 2019? 
Well, uh, I, uh, you know, to keep going. Um, you know, if I have discussions with my uh, brothers, uh, you know, how much longer do you want to do this before we retire? But, you know, I don't know if I would really ever completely retire. Uh, I would probably scale back my hours more uh, in terms of the cleaning mm-hmm. uh, and up my hours with uh, with helping other people um, start and operate this type of business in, in other cities across the uh, United States. Uh, and, uh, you know, because I enjoy doing what I'm doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, you know, keep plugging away. Awesome. Well, it's great. I, I want to put, you know, we do a, we do a show notes page for, for anybody who's listening, make sure you go to our website, goneon18.com because we do a show notes page and um, you can learn more about Brian Winch. You can learn more about clean lots and we're going to put a, a direct link to uh, his website where, where the book is available. And if you're looking for something, if you're an entrepreneur, you, you, you have the, you feel like you have the calling to be an entrepreneur. Um. I tell my kids all the time, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to go to college for eight years and put yourselves in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, you know, to understand business. The best, the best business knowledge is experience. And when you can tie into people and get information from people who have experience, it's a great resource. And so if you're looking for something and you think that this might be up your alley, pick up the book, you know, read it and, and, uh, see what kind of support is there. Cause you, you really, I'm telling you, it's invaluable when you can get support from somebody who's doing it, uh, who's living it. You, you cannot beat it. There's, there's just no better way to go about it. So um, definitely check those out again. Goneon18.com is the website. Uh, Brian, what, what message would you like to get across to anybody who's listening? What would be as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, um, what do you want people to know most about what it takes to be an entrepreneur or as a, a business owner or to be successful? Well, you've got to put in the work. Um, you have to start out by finding something that you would enjoy doing. Um, you know, don't look at the dollars, uh, the, the big money. Um, as I said earlier, wealth is a byproduct of what you do. It's not, it's not something you get into uh, just to be wealthy or to make the money because that, the money will never be there if you don't enjoy doing what you're doing. Um, so I, I, I make no guarantees. Um, people who buy my book, uh, I tell them that you've got to put the work in. Uh, I've got the template. It's worked for me. I've learned all of this from the School of Hard Knocks. I provide free support. But, but you know what, if you work the business, the business will work for you. That is a good point. Uh, I do have one more question for you. All the trash mm-hmm. you guys pick up, all the loot <laughs> you pick up, does it go into their dumpsters or do you have to carry it out? What's the. Oh, it, it goes into the dumpsters on site. That's awesome. Uh, so, I mean, I don't have to truck this out or anything, but you know what? We could keep going on. Cause I could tell you some of the things that I find. <laughs> I can only imagine you ever, I don't know what it's like there. Um, I know in the U S there's, there's a culture of dumpster divers. Um, oh yeah. You know, you guys, do you, you experience a lot of that up there. You ever run into Oh them? yeah. I, I, and certain properties attract that more than others. Um, I find if there's a, a thrift store, um, you know, um, people will are attracted to those sites and not only will they go through 
uh, the material that gets dropped off uh, at the front doors or at the back of the store after hours. But yeah, people will uh, dumpster dive. And they've, they've, I've seen the whole apparatus. They have the little flashlights on their foreheads and they get in there and they're, and they're, they're pulling stuff out. And, and uh, um, you know, it can make a mess for me because sometimes they'll toss this stuff out of the bins. But, you know, it's amazing. I, I've read some people... They, it's amazing what they find and what they, how much money they can make by dumpster diving. Um, but you know, I find money. Uh, never mind that stuff. I mean, I could be just walking a parking lot. I'm amazed how careless people are with their valuables. Never mind their wallets or their their cell phones. But um, you know, oftentimes you know they may go into a bar, have a couple drinks or whatever. You know, have a pizza, and uh, they'll stuff. Their, some bills in their pocket with their car keys and then when they leave the, the restaurant or the bar after they pull the keys out and out come a few bills some 10s and 20s and honestly sometimes I'm, I'm thinking that someone is playing some social experiment on me and you know I come across you know bills scattered uh, you know in a certain area in a parking lot and I'm looking around to see you know if someone's playing this trick you know what what is that guy going to do you know uh, but uh, you know what yeah unfortunately they're careless and you know when if they think they're going to come back and find the money it's not going to be there because if i don't pick it up somebody else will yep yep well that's that's uh you know i guess you don't think about those things but it's true um gosh i can only imagine there probably are some some great that then we might have to make that an episode things found in calgary on the floor on the ground <laughs> well you know it's not just me i mean anyone who uh, has bought my book and have, has uh, told me some of their stories. You know, uh, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty commonplace. Uh, you know, all of this at one point. You know, it doesn't happen all the time, but the most amount of money I've found uh, at one point is been over six hundred dollars, all tightly rolled uh, with an elastic band. And I'm positive, and I found this right next to a waste dumpster, and I found it in the springtime. It must have been sitting there for a number of months. It co- got covered in snow and muck. So I pulled this out, I took it home, dried it off, cleaned it up, dried it off. And then when it was dry, I started counting the bills off. But I I, I think it came from maybe one of the store owners who was closing up late at night, tossed the garbage in the dumpster, and accidentally took the day's, you know, money. I'm sure he's going to go to the bank, make a deposit. Unfortunately, it, it fell onto the ground, never found it because it was covered in snow, it was, you know, underneath the bin. And, uh, you know, you know, what can you do? But, you know, like I said, people are careless uh, with a lot of their valuables. And the only way they're going to learn, unfortunately, is to have something like that happen once. Only once. Yeah. Wow. That's, uh, man, that's a crazy story. That, But you can see it happening. Like, it's funny. I don't think, I think if I dropped that kind of money, I think I would move heaven and earth to find it. Like, I don't know that I could <laughs> Well, you know, and I'm sure they did. And, and, you know, but maybe, and they went out, but they couldn't see it because it probably was covered in some snow. And then when the dumpster was picked up and dumped, it would probably sat back on top of the money for maybe a number of weeks, months. And then at some point, you know, the bin was placed back further and then it it became um, exposed. And that's when I saw it one day, you know, and it it was weeks or a couple, a couple of months after the fact, but but you know, never mind the money. I, I, I'm always curious as to why a person will lose one shoe, or or one glove, uh, or why why is there a bra in a parking lot? Yeah, yeah, random. Or pants, a pair of pants. Like, you know, just, how can you lose a pair of pants? But you know, I 
I'd find it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always get curious. You ever, you know, when I lived in California, I remember a couple of times, like some of the power lines where we lived when I was younger were like lower power lines over the, over the houses in Arizona here, a lot of them are underground, but you would go by and you'd see a pair of shoes hanging from a power line and you're like, Oh yeah. What poor schmuck lost his shoes. Then who had the nerve to throw them up on the power? Line? Yeah. Oh, I see that all the time. And they'll, they'll be there forever until, you know, someone from the power company, uh, yeah. uh, you know, feels they need to remove them or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that it's really interesting. I, I, I appreciate you being on the show and I, I, I love the idea of people just doing a service that, it pays dividends. I mean, a lot of people might look at this and go, I don't want to pick up litter. And that's fine. If that's not your thing, that's cool. But you know what? Somebody's, somebody's got to do it. And I don't care what the job is. Every job that exists, exists for a reason. And just because you, you think you're, you know, maybe you're above it or that's not what you would want to do with your life or, or you have a passion for something else um, doesn't mean it shouldn't get done. And I, I, I applaud the fact that you do it because you took an opportunity that a lot of people wouldn't take and you went, you know what, I can make something out of this. And you have, and um, you know, I know that you've been uh, uh, in small business opportunities, magazine, um, home business magazine. Uh, I know that there was a, a small business feature in the Calgary Herald. Like, you know, it's one of those things that I think maybe people don't understand I think people have a hard time understanding what success really is. And like we said early on in this conversation is that they think it's that at the end of the day, it's the car, it's the fancy car. It's the, you know, it's the big paycheck. It's, you know, maybe it's the social status, but I got to tell you any job that's an honest job, any living that's an honest living and uh, it provides a service and something that's needed to me is a great, is a great job. And, you know, I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast that if you're looking for something and uh, and you think this might be an opportunity for you, check it out. Because I, I I know plenty of markets where, where there's a lot of need for this. Um, you know, I, I I'd imagine Calgary is a lot much uh, is a much better city because of the service you provide, and it keeps um, you know it keeps things looking good. And I know in the U.S. there's a lot of areas that could use more people doing this work. So. Um, that's awesome. I, like I said, I also appreciate the fact that you offer support to those people who buy your book who are looking to do it. Because I know as a, as a print broker, one of the hardest things for me to do was to figure out how to, I knew the industry, but knowing how to run a print brokerage was a very different, um, it was a very different world. And uh, it was a low cost, no cost startup, but understanding the ins and out of it. If there was at the time I started, if there had been a resource like this, I would have been, I'd probably be 10 years ahead of where I am now, you know, because I wouldn't have had to go through all the hard trials. And I still, there's still things I run from like, oh man, how am I going to deal with this? Um, so if you're looking, this is a great resource. And, and uh, I think, you know, pick up Brian's book, uh, go to his website, check it out. And Brian, we're going to have links to all this. So what we'll do is uh, we'll make sure that you have all these links to share too. Right. No, I'd be happy to, to definitely uh, spread the word share and share uh, with my uh, social media. That'd be awesome. Brian, we thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, I want to follow up with you at some point too. Um, and so those of you who are listening, my, put this in your, in your, in your, uh, in your thought bank here that this is going to continue at some point because I want to dive into a conversation with you about what it takes to not just, you know, what you do in that, but really what it takes to be 
um, a business owner, entrepreneur, and how uh, our, because you're in a different country than I am, which, which gives a good perspective, because I know what it's like to be a business owner in my country, and you know what it's like to be one in your country. And I think there's a lot of similarities, but I think there's a lot of differences. And I'd be interested in hearing, and I think a lot of our listeners would be interested in hearing what it's like to do business in Canada versus the U.S. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, most of our downloads come from California, which is a state that, in my opinion, is very unfriendly to small business. There's a lot of heavy regulation there, and it's very tough to start a business in California. And so I'm sure there's a lot of people that would be interested in hearing uh, what it's like because there's opportunity all over this country and yours. And um, I don't know, I think it'd be a good conversation for us to pick up on at some point. Sure. No, it sounds interesting. Good. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast. Um, a lot of good information here and a lot of good perspective. And we appreciate that. And we, uh, we hope that you'll join us next time on the 18 Summers Live Your Passion podcast, folks. Have a great day. Well, folks, if you enjoyed this podcast, we would be so very grateful if you would share it with your family and friends. Encourage somebody with this. Listen, we are here to serve you. We are here to help you. We are here to help guide you. We are here to give you information, and we can't help but want to help you. So we hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to visit our show page. You can go to www.goneen18.com. That's www.gonein18.com. And we would be excited to hear from you, too. So you can go to iTunes and leave a review. You can leave a review with Libsyn. You can leave a review with Stitcher Radio. Whichever platform you're listening on, you can leave a review. And we would be really, really grateful. Uh, if you're not happy with the podcast, you don't like it, don't leave a review, I'm just saying. But if you love it, leave a review. Talk to you soon. 